Happy Sabbath, everybody. Happy, happy Sabbath. It's good to see you, Ben. I hope vacation was good for you, my man. And I'm sure I'm going to meet her later. All right. Welcome. All right. He told me about his girl and he brought her here. And so it's good to see some of you. The house is full tonight and I'm really grateful for, for that. Some people got married over there. You know what I mean? Whoop, whoop. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got married, right? Good, 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 good. Yeah, so, so I'm simply doing this because I just want you to take a moment and say, thank you, God. Can we just do that? Thank you, God. And truly, it's because of the, the goodness of the Lord, that is why you are you're where you are this morning. That is, that is why you are surviving. That is why, even though it looks so difficult, uh, you are going to make it. You are going to make it. You are really, really going to make it. And I say that not because I have any kind of magic, but because I trust in God and what God is able to do. Amen, somebody? Amen. All right. Listen, uh, before I get into the sermon, I just want to remind you again uh, that in 2024, in March, Crosswalk Jakarta is coming. And uh, we are looking for partners. And we're looking for partners financially. We're looking for partners in other ways as well. We will need teachers, we'll need singers, we'll need a whole lot of stuff to go into that project. But the burden this morning is, if you got a little bit of extra cash, or you don't have extra cash, but you're saying, God, I want to partner with you. We are saying, please partner up with us. However, God is impressing on your heart. Please do that. And uh, I believe that God is going to truly bless you. Amen, somebody? Mm. The money part, everybody says like this, brother. They just, they're like, mm. <laughs> let us partner with the Lord and God is going to do great things. Number two, tomorrow we're going to be right here at 5 p.m. for year end worship. And I'm asking you to come. Uh, Pastor Sam has prepared a wonderful sermon to help you visualize what 2024 is going to be about. There's going to be food. All right. So you don't have to worry about going to a restaurant after you're done. We're going to eat right here. There's going to be uh, wonderful activities to keep you excited and to help you to kind of know somebody who you do not know. So that when you come in the first worship in 2024, you're going to actually greet somebody who you don't know. All right. And number three, we're going to have a New Year's Day run or yeah, New Year's Day run at six in the morning tomorrow. If you're interested, I'm going to be at uh, what is our place? FX Sudirman at six in the morning. If you want to run exercise, I don't care. You can do one kilometer, two kilometers, three kilometers, whatever. Come out here. Come out there. Let us exercise together and let's begin the year right. Now, because it is communion Sabbath, I need to be faster. And it is 1127. I want to get into the word right now. And I want to talk to you about take the bitterness with you. Say that with me. Take. One more time. Take. You guys still want to stay in 2023. I want to go into 2024. Come on, man. We need more energy. You know what I mean? More energy. If you got your Bibles, go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 12. And we're looking at verse number one. When you got it, say amen. Exodus chapter 12 and verse number one. When you got it, say amen. Amen, somebody? Okay. All right. This is what it says, and let me just explain to you what is happening in the story. God has already done nine plagues 
and been hurtful and, and really destroying Egypt. He has one more plague to do, and before he does that plague, he does a little bit of a disruption. And by the way, in 2024, we're going to start preaching to you about disruptive living and, and how you can live a life that is, is unique. But right here, God disrupts his program to give instructions. This is a kind of uh, passage that you want to skip because it's a lot of instructions and, and it's not motivational. It's, it's not the, the, the nice story about, about conquering Goliath or Jesus walking on water. It's, it's a little boring, Sister Dita. But sometimes it is in the boring parts of Scripture that we find the greatest lesson. So this is what is happening. There's a disruption. God is about to continue, but he needs to tell the people uh, something important. This is what it says. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, houses, a lamb for a household. A lamb for a household. I could preach ten sermons just on that. A lamb for a household. And the household is too small for a lamb. <laughs> Sometimes you're not big enough. Then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of the persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb, watch this now, shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it, watch this, from the sheep or the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. I'm almost finishing. This is what it says in verse number seven. Then you, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it in. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, here's where the sermon came from, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it, do not eat any of it raw or boiled in the water, but roast it. Its head with its legs and its inner parts, the last part, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it. Let us pray. Mighty God, your word has been read. Please do something this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Two nights, I didn't use the AC in my bedroom. Because the AC in my bedroom was leaking water. If you know anything about ACs, and water and wood, you know that it's not a good combination because if water is leaking from an AC and it is put on the wall, it's going to drip on the wall and, and start to create, to create marks. And, and eventually it sips into the wood and the wood can expand and it can be damaged. So for two nights, me and my bride, we, we suffered 
because we had to move from our regular room to another room. It wasn't suffering because we didn't because it was smaller. But my wife was happy because she said, well, you're not so huggy, so it's smaller so I can hug you. We had this AC fixed two months ago, three months ago. And we paid money to get it fixed. When I texted the technician about this problem, they said, yeah, I knew it would happen. We need to do it again. So I started to think to myself, this guy, he really planned his next payday. He made sure that he fixed it, but he didn't fix it all the way so that I could call him again. The problem is back. I thought it was finished. And I want to elevate you to a thinking this morning that I think is so true. That sometimes you think it is over. That sometimes you think it is done. But after a while, you find yourself back in the situation that you thought you were done with. And this is the story of somebody listening to me this morning. That you told yourself, I will never go back to the relationship. I am done with that. But after a while, after five months, you're not getting those texts anymore. You are now lonely. And now you are there at night, sitting on your bed, wondering, should I text him or, or not? And you have eventually started to text the person. You're texting your ex and you're saying, hey, how are you? But you told yourself when you broke up, I'm not going to go back into that. But yet today, you are back in what you said you never go back to. Yeah, some of you, you told your friend, you know what? 2023, it's going to be my best. I'm going to be so healthy. I'm going to stop eating at night. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to do my best. But just last night, at midnight, you ordered go food. And you told yourself, it was, the last time I ordered was two months ago. Some of you, some of you younger people, including myself, you told your parents, or you told yourself, telling your friend or your girlfriend, you know what? My parents are not going to control me anymore. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I've grown up. And you, you went and had a conversation with your parents. <laughs> but after that conversation, you're not so independent. You are doing exactly what they told you to do. <laughs> but you told yourself, I'm more independent. I'm going to do my own thing. Some of you, you told yourself this December, I'm going to save 20% of my check. But after buying so many hampers and giving people gifts, and thank you for bringing your gifts. Amen, somebody. I got gifts during this Christmas. But you have overspent your money, and the 20% you thought you would save, you, know, you have not saved it. But you, you said to yourself, this was the last time. And I'm asking myself this question, and maybe you're asking yourself, yourself this question as well. Why is it I find myself going back to what I thought I'll never go back to? Aren't you asking that question? Why is it that I'm back to the situation that I left? You see, today's passage gives us an answer to this question. Now, I know for some of you, when you read parts of Scripture, there are some of those parts of Scripture, Elder Calvin, that you want to skip because they are too boring. I mean, Leviticus. Who, led, who read Leviticus this year? Nobody. 
But I have discovered that it's in the most boring parts of scripture, Brother Jeff, that we find some of the greatest lessons. And this morning, I'm trying to convince you that in a very boring passage, God has a wonderful lesson. Because what we have in this passage is that God has been on a mission unleashing miracles of mass destruction. He has been unleashing on Egypt blood. All the water sources in Egypt have been polluted by blood. When you turn on the water at, at, at the tap to take a shower, if you're living in that time, there was blood coming out of the tap. If you bought you a gallon from the, the, the water place and you tried to put it in your water dispenser, the moment you try to drink, blood was coming out. And God has been unleashing these miracles of mass destruction on the people of Egypt. Because God does miracles in two ways. God uses miracles to help you, or he can use miracles to hurt you. You get to decide how God is going to do it. In our passage, God has one more miracle to perform. He wants to kill all of the firstborn sons in Egypt. I know that picture disturbs you because how can God kill people? But that's the scripture, and it is right there. God is saying, I'm going to kill of the firstborns of Egypt because Pharaoh has decided, I'm not going to let the people go. <laughs> Moses has been knocking on his door repeatedly. Moses, uh, Pharaoh, please. God wants us to go out. Please. So Pharaoh doesn't want to listen. So God realizes the only way I can make Pharaoh do what I want is to squeeze him. And this is the story of some of us. That the only way we leave a place is when we've been forced out of the situation. You see, some of us have gone back to what we left because something forced us, not because we wanted. Pharaoh never wanted to let the people go. It was God's miracles of mass destruction that pushed him to let them go. And that's where some of us are. So let me say it this way. The most holy place, the most holy site in Jakarta is the Semangi Circle. Particularly, the part of Sudirman that runs from, if you're coming from um, Grand Indonesia, going to Block M, there is that part. That is the most holy place in Jakarta. Because right there, there are police standing. And if a, if a motorbike or a motorcycle driver makes the mistake of driving at this park, he's going to give an offering to the police. And the police is not going to take it to church. <laughs> He's going to go to, to Camp Checks. And, no, they don't go to Camp Checks. So some of the motorbikes have realized, I don't want to pay an offering. But I want you to understand, if the police were not there, those motorbikes would be driving there. And that is how some of us operate. That when the force is gone, when the supervision is no longer there, when somebody is not watching us, we go back to the things that we have left. Amen. Nobody. <laughs> you know you left him or left her because your parents were nagging you. <laughs> but now they don't talk anymore to you. You're busy texting again. I know the story. <laughs> I've been there. 
The only reason why some of you are showing up early is because showing up early to, to, to work is because the boss said, if you don't show up early anymore, we're going to fire you. So because there is supervision, because eyes are on you, you are now coming early to work. But the, the moment the boss is no longer talking, you're back to your late ways. Some of us only respond because there is force. Some of you wives and husbands, the only reason why you, you spend within the budget is because your spouse is there. The moment they're not there, man, you do whatever. I, I remember growing up, uh, sometimes it would be my, my, my dad taking us to the store to buy groceries, and he would sit with my mom and they would do a budget. And my, 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 my mom and my dad, they would talk about the budget, and then, uh, uh, then my, my dad would tell us, we're going to the store, we're not buying anything but on this budget list. Now, it would happen if my mom and my dad are together. <laughs> but if my dad is alone, he will not only buy what's on the budget, he'll say, no, I need this shirt. I need this. And then when he comes back home, he's arguing with my mom. Why did you buy these things on the, uh, that were not on the budget? So some of us are only moving because there is supervision. But when the supervision is gone, when the force is gone, we are no longer doing the things that we intended to do. And, and, and Pastor Sam, check this out. The most dangerous person is not the gambler or, or somebody doing witchcraft. The most dangerous person is the person who does good because they're being forced to do good. And that is dangerous because it's not coming from the heart. The moment that the supervision is gone, they go back to those situations. And I'm asking you that in 2024, don't be that person who prays because somebody's looking at you. Don't be the person who doesn't smoke because somebody's looking at you. Be that person who says, I'm not going to do this because it is in my heart. Amen, somebody. One of the reasons... Why we go back to what we left is because the force and supervision is gone. But that's just part of the story. I want to take us a little bit deeper this morning. Look at verse number one of chapter 12. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. You know, you know when I read that, I said to myself, wow, God can speak anywhere. If I'm in Egypt, he can speak. If I'm in Jerusalem, he can speak. If I'm anywhere you are, God can speak. So the Lord said to Moses and, and, and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel. This is the first time congregation of Israel is used. This is the first time in scripture. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, Every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. Watch this. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or the goats. Now, you know the parable of Jesus where the, the goats go on, on one side and the sheep go on the other side. It seems like the goats always get the, the they're like the black sheep. But no, in this, in this passage, goats actually are, are acceptable. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Watch this. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Hold up, hold up, hold up. 
Here we have something incredible, brother Raymond. God is about to end the bitterness of 490 years because that's how long Israel has been in Egypt. He's about to end this bitterness. He's about to end the struggle. But before he ends the struggle, God says, hold up. Let us establish a ceremony. I mean, to me, I thought to myself, God, bring the people out of Egypt. Then you tell them what to do. God says, no, Henry, I don't think like you and you're not God like me. Before the people go out of Egypt, I want them to know what they're going to be able to do outside of Egypt. Mm. I'm preaching. You should be saying amen because I'm telling you something important. You see, God understands something that we may not always understand. That even though Egypt was a bitter place, but Egypt provided order. Because every day when the, the, the Israelites woke up, they knew they had a certain quarter of bricks, bricks to meet. They knew what time to get up. They knew what time to go to sleep. They knew what life was like. It was very structured. It was bitter, yes. It was difficult, yes. But it was very, very clear. And so God is understanding. My people are leaving a struggle. They're leaving a bad situation. But they still need order. I'm delivering them from bitterness. But I'm not saving them from order. Do you understand that the reason why you have parents is because God likes order? I know you may be struggling with your parents. They don't think like you. They're they are not relevant. And, and parents, I thank you when you put your feet down and you say, child, no, we're not going this way. That is order. And you may not like that. It may not make sense to you. You may say, nah, you know what? I'm free. Whatever. No, God knows you need the order. Some of you are thinking, if we only could get rid of the government and, and how corrupt they are, things will be better. No, you need the government. Oh, my manager. It's like this, like that. God ain't taking away the manager because he knows you need the manager. Can you imagine? You went to the airport and there was no security. <laughs> there was no checking counter. There was no gate. There were no people checking you in. Would you imagine how life would be like? And then some of you, when you land, it's like you're ready to jump off from the, from the seat. And you're like, can we just let the plane land and, and, and let's just get out orderly? Order is important because God wants your life to, 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 be, to, be, to be predictable in some ways. Some of you, the struggle is not that you don't have a strong faith. The struggle is not that you don't pray enough. The struggle is not that you're, you're not coming to church enough. The struggle is simply that you have thought that I don't need order anymore. And therefore, when you left your parents' house, you no longer cooked. You no longer uh, studied at the right time. You no longer did the things that were keeping you on the straight and narrow. And God is saying, I want to help you. But can we go back to the things that you learned at home? Can we go back to the things that your parents taught you? Lord, save my marriage. God wants to do it. But are you willing to love and to obey and to be submissive? <laughs> Come on now. God, 
I want you to grow my income. Can you give God his tenth? God, I want you to bless my family. Can you give God some of your time? I'm so busy, Pastor. Busy doing what? For who? For how? I'm not here to kill you. <laughs> so you said, Pastor, please slow down. I told Pastor today that I want to preach like my life depends on it. Because I don't know if I'm going to preach again to you guys tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to wake up. So I want to do it today like I've never done it before. Amen, somebody? I don't have too much time. We have communion. So I want to wrap this up quickly. I'm actually going to cut my sermon now because I realize I have more things to say than the time to say it. Mm. Jennifer Corrado, she spent 10 years in prison. And uh, she was answering a question on Cora. Cora is a good site. I, I, I read that and, and sometimes I write on that. But she was answering a question on Cora and the question was, do prisoners sometimes prefer life in prison rather than trying to start life from scratch? Because the thing you need to understand is that the Israelites were really inmates of the supermax in Egypt. They were, they were inmates. They, they were prisoners. And the beautiful thing about God's intention in putting together the Passover a celebration is because he knows that they're inmates and, and they're coming out. And one of the struggles of inmates is, is that when they come out of prison, is that they, they, they've been gone for so long. And it's been, it's, it's been difficult for so long that they have gotten used to being woken up at a certain time. They've gotten used to eating meals at a certain time. They have gotten used to being called by a number, not even their own name. So when they come out of prison and they go to Grand Lucky, they, they are confused. Curious. What is curious? When I was in prison, there was no curious. They go to the airport and, and now there's online checking and they're like, online checking? Like in 1975, there was no online checking. So, so life becomes so difficult because they have no point of reference. They, 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 they are lost and therefore what they decide to do is to go back to where they're familiar with. And so God is saying to them, I do not want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to start to develop new memories. And therefore, that is why God told them that this sacrifice, this Passover, you shall keep it as a memorial. Because I don't want you to go back to what's familiar. I want you to focus on what's new. And some of us are going back to the old things because we have no point of reference. We cannot make an attachment to the present. And therefore, all we know is 1955. All we know, you were not, you were not that, we were not born then yet. 1980, 2003. That's what some of us do. Hey, when I was growing up, it ain't that time now. We just think I'll be playing. I'm ending soon. You see, before I got married, my brother would tease me, especially when I was in college, because a girl gave me a teddy bear, a gorilla actually. The gorilla used to sing. Wow thing, I think I love you. That, that's what the gorilla will sing. And my brother will call me, my older brother, true story. He'll put this teddy bear on the phone and remind me. But ever since I got married, he's never ever teased me. Because I have developed a new memory. Come on somebody. And that's what I'm telling you this morning. Let's develop new memories. Let's start new attachments. So that we don't go back to what we left. But we can be propelled forward. 
so that our lives can transform. We can be better than what we are. God can take us to the next level. God is waiting. The only question is, is he saying, are you going to make new memories? Are you going to start afresh? Even though you don't know how to start afresh. Are you going to change the situation? See, as you leave, whatever you are leaving, it's crucial. You create new memories to keep you returning from what's familiar. I didn't even get to the end of my sermon, but it's good enough right here. Are you going to make the decision this morning that I'm not going to go back to what's familiar? I'm going to create new memories. I'm not going to be stuck on 2003 or 2023. I want God to take me to 2024. Anybody? There is somebody this morning. The only way you begin a new memory is when you invite Jesus Christ into your heart. You have never invited Jesus into your heart. I wish I could get to the end of the sermon, but I don't have time. I was going to tell you what is really the point of this passage, but I don't have time. But the point of this passage is simply God saying, I'm sacrificing everything for you. I'm passing over your sins, your struggles, your challenges. I want to save you. I don't know what you've been through. I know what you've been through. It's been painful, but I can help you elevate from that situation. Let's start life with me. Anybody who's saying, today I want to start life with Jesus. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Mighty God, I want to say thank you to you because of the opportunity to listen to your word. I want to thank you because of what you are able to do and what you have done. Thank you that you passed over our sins through the blood of Jesus. And today we're going to celebrate that blood and that, that body that was spread out for us. And we're asking you, Lord, to receive us this morning because if you don't receive us, nobody else can. So, Father, I'm asking you to step up for us. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help us to step out of whatever struggles we have so that we can relate to you in a real way. Father, thank you for your kindness and your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.